politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American patriots and Minutemen standing at the ready to fight anew for everything that matters from life, liberty, property, culture, sovereignty, society, security. What is not under attack here on this brand new week for Monday, February 19th, uh, referred to by some as President's Day, which is obviously a misnomer because there is no such thing as a President's Day. We don't celebrate, uh, um, you know, Millard Fillmore. We don't c- celebrate Barack Obama or Joe Biden. We don't celebrate the office of the presidency. We celebrate the birthday of one man, which is actually on Thursday this year, 22nd of February, George Washington, which is really the opposite of what some want to proclaim with a so-called President's Day. We don't celebrate the majestic power of an office where you could just do anything you want. You can make people wear a mask. You can make make people get a shot. You can get into the bodies, souls, minds of humanity, remake everything. No, we celebrate George Washington, who had the opportunity to be a king and instead ceded the power. You know, it's it's interesting that uh, when contrasting the power of a president from that of a king, Alexander Hamilton wrote in Federalist 69 that the one, meaning a king, may may make denizens of aliens. The other, meaning a president, can confer no privileges whatever. And now obviously we have a president who is able to confer privileges of citizenship on millions upon millions of people have invaded our country. And as bad and, and as existential as that appears, I'm here to tell you that the invasion from without is nowhere as odious as the invasion from within. What Meaning, even if tomorrow I had a magic pill to get out every illegal alien in this country, and, and we talk about this all the time, that there's certainly a ton of criminal aliens were just four illegals arrested in Chicago for robbing and strangling a man. It's another one arrested for killing in Houston. I mean, it happens all the time. But I'm just saying, even if you take that all out, we have enough criminality. We have enough anarchy. We have enough mental illness. We have enough gender bending, destroying of the family, of society, a dystopian transhumanism, destroying our economy, our quality of life, our products, our services. We have enough of that going on internally without any external invasion to destroy us. And what is our answer? What is our plan? I'm not hearing any answer about this. And today I want to go through some of the latest in our early warning system, a.k.a. blue states. Blue states are our early warning system of what is going to happen to all of America immutably if we don't find a way to make some sort of a Noah's Ark in Red America. Instead, all my colleagues put everything into one man for one office of the presidency, which even an amazing person that is selfless and cares about everyone, truly for the people, populist, would not be able to solve much less someone who wakes up every day and now we've gone from golden calves to golden shoes, Trump selling $400 sneakers that he got for 20 bucks from from China 
to scan out your latest uh, senior into paying for his legal bills with no plan to win back suburban voters. And even if you're like, ah, you know, that's a throwaway anyway, Daniel. All right, well, then what's your plan to take a stand in Red America? So later today, we're going to have a guest from Red America from South Dakota showing how the meat hooks of one of the most odious invasions internally is taking root in South Dakota, and that's the climate scam to destroy our land, property rights, and energy happening with the support of every major Republican in that state. But first, I want to build up to it by showing the imperative to fight in red states because here's what happens when you can no longer fight. You get Minnesota. Minnesota used to be a nice place called Minnesota Nice. You know, not a place that you would associate with the carnage of uh, L.A. or New York City or Chicago. But instead, it's the worst. It's the ultimate dystopia of anarcho-tyranny. Some of you might have seen there were several cops and a first responder, a firefighter killed. Um, responding to a domestic dispute. And you were, I was thinking, how in the world do that many cops get killed and shot? If not for the fact that the rules of engagement are so egregious. Again, cops are only there for tyranny. But when it comes to dealing with real criminals, it turns out this guy was a career criminal, actually tried to get his gun rights restored. It's funny, liberals have no problem with that. They want those people to have guns, by the way. They're very much for that. And there's no doubt in my mind that these people, these cops, because of everything that went on with Floyd in Minnesota, were forced to hold back. And you're seeing this everywhere. New York Post is reporting that among the NYPD, in 2022, there was a 20% increase in cops hurt by suspects. 4,724 compared to the year before. And then in 2023, which was just last year, there was a 13% increase on top of that 20% increase. 5,363 attacks on cops resulting in injuries. It's pretty big. It's pretty insane. I mean, there's about 20,000 NYPD officers. And again, that's a result of the fact that they cannot apprehend them. They can't use the techniques to uh, restrain them. And this is what happens. This is what happens when the left has unchecked authority. Okay, this is what happens when we don't use the power we have. You either use it or you lose it. Well, now you lost it. In these blue states, there's not much you can do. It's over. It's over. And by the way, you know, um, I mean, Minnesota really is the perfect dystopia. You have another story. Harafa Hussein Abdi, a U.S. citizen from Minneapolis. Now, I, I, he was probably born. Well, actually, I was going to say he was born in Somalia, but by now, they came over in the 90s. This this guy, I'm trying to see what his age is. He could have been born here. Um, he's 41. He's probably born in, in Somalia. But he's a naturalized citizen already, was charged today with providing material support to ISIS. He allegedly traveled from Minnesota to Somalia to join a group of terrorists. Um, and, you know, we, we know that there's a ton of this 
going on for years in Minneapolis. So in addition to the native um, dystopia you have among the native black population, you have now we imported Somalis. So you got that. That, that is what blue America is. Okay. Now, that is also an immigration issue. But again, what I'm trying to tell you is you don't even have to come on to an immigration issue to understand this problem. So that's the dystopia of Minneapolis. What is our answer to anarcho-tyranny? And by the way, on that anarcho-tyranny front, some of you might have heard there was this climate kook who vandalized the National Archives display of the Constitution. It's a pretty big deal. You know, the case that it's enclosed in, glitter-bombed it with paint. So I have a friend of mine who was going to take his family down to tour Washington and visit the archives on Thursday, and it turns out it was closed because they were cleaning up. And I was thinking, I mean, that's that's a pretty serious thing, right? You know, you go after the U.S. Constitution display. Do you ever wonder what happens to all these people? You see all these Hamas attacks and the climate eco-terrorist attacks. Ever wonder what wonder what happens to them in the context of January 6th? That if you attack a government building, you know, you're going to be serving time in solitary confinement. Turns out this guy, one of the two, Jackson Green, never served a day in jail this time or the previous time. This was his second time. So it turns out November 14th, he attacked the National Art Gallery. By the way, a, a display of, you know, black soldiers. That You know, that would be sacred. This guy, Jackson Green, 27 years old, of Sandy, Utah. On November, he, again, did a similar attack on the Shaw 54th Regiment Memorial in the National Gallery of Arts West Wing. He's a member of Declare Emergency Climate Group, entered the National Gallery of Art carrying red paint, and then smeared the words honor them on that exhibit. The oversized piece created by American sculptor Augustus St. Gaudens in the late 1880s commemorates one of the first Civil War regiments of African Americans enlisted in the North, which drew recruits from many states and, and included Frederick Douglass's own sons. Can you imagine... If a white conservative, a cons- I think this guy is white, but he's a climate change guy, so it's okay, would have done that. This guy wasn't even indicted until February, a few days before the second attack. And then despite the second attack, he's not in jail. And by the way, in, in the federal indictment, they admit that this is like the fourth attack of this group. So this is something that you really need to deter, right? January 6th never happened again, and we know why, because it was a setup, so there's never a threat of it happening again, naturally, organically. Yet here, this is a live problem that they're not being deterred. And yet, they have no problem in a post-January 6th world if you're, it's not what you did, the severity of what you did, it's what you believe. And that's the core of what we're up against. It's not anarchy, it's not tyranny, it's anarcho-tyranny. And what that means is the persecution based on what you believe. They could turn on and off the faucet of justice based on who you are. They want us dead. They want us destroyed. What is our answer? Well, before we get to political answers, 
First, our sponsor today, one thing you can do is educate yourself and your kids on our true heritage, what's right and wrong, from our friends at Hillsdale. Hillsdale College now has a university that all of you could attend, whether it's your kids or whether it's yourself. They are now offering a bunch of courses, 40 free online courses. This is just a gem. You know, those of you who have teenage kids and you want to make sure they stay on the straight and narrow path, um, history, economics, uh, literature, obviously the U.S. Constitution. And, you know, at a time where we have this fake reactionary right that's focused on buying uh, shoes or, you know, act almost acting like the left, this is something that you can actually arm yourself and your children and staunch the bleeding in red states of, of losing our kids in the next generation to liberalism. Certainly make sure to sign up for the Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, uh, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it's been undermined for over a century since then. It's self-paced, so you can start you know, whenever you want and finish whenever you want. And again... It really is, you know, everything has biblical stuff, uh, works of C.S. Lewis. It's really amazing. 40 free courses. And it's something if you're looking to, you know, you, you cannot be neutral when it comes to the education of your kids. Okay, there's there's no neutrality. Um, when, when you have the headwinds you have, you have to give your kids tailwinds by going to hillsdale.edu slash Daniel to enroll. There's no cost. It's easy to get started. That's hillsdale, hillsdale.edu slash Daniel to register hillsdale.edu slash Daniel. Um, so folks, one of the ways that these guys are getting their meat hooks into us is through the global warming agenda. It is shocking to me how in light of COVID, where you had unanimity of scientific opinion behind something that was so wrong and so devastatingly destructive, that they're able to have the climate scam again, and you go to all these red red states, and you have governors and, and leadership that they agree to the premise of global warming. They, they, they Again, like everything else, they'll say, we, we don't want to quite destroy ourselves that quickly so let's do it a little bit slower than the democrats want to but i've said before that most land is in red states and if you know they need land usage for the uh, ev agenda for the certainly solar and wind and now this carbon capture and sequestration we could totally uproot that if red states simply rejected it Yet, in fact, we have this agenda embedded in red states more than anywhere else. You know, we have, um, I didn't even realize that there is this, like, conservative climate caucus. Did you know that in Congress? The chairman is Representative John Curtis of Utah, who, by the way, is running for uh, Senate to, to fill Mitt Romney's seat. It's unbelievable how, how a guy like that could even put his head out. He has 85 members. Do you, do you understand that? That's more than a third of the House GOP conference. 85 members. And uh, it runs the gambit. 
all sorts of people. I just, I, I, I never even knew that it existed. Dusty Johnson, this jerk off from South Dakota, who, by the way, wants to be governor after Christy Nome, is a member of that conference. And um, this is not this is not a drill. What is our answer? See, one of the things we learned from global from uh, COVID is that it's you you can't just wish it away. They will create a virus and they'll foist it upon you. So it's the same thing here. Now I don't think they're creating warming. It's 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 a it's a lie. But they are making sure that you will not have options to actually power your 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 cars, your house, even have a car. And what's our answer to it? It's it's unreal how how much is being promulgated, how many policies are being promulgated based on this lie. The war on carbon is a war on humanity. We are the carbon they want to eliminate. And yet you have these Republicans saying carbon neutral. That we need to sequester carbon from the air. It's unbelievable. First of all, just just to go through the lies, carbon dioxide itself only composes 0.04% of the atmosphere. Okay? It's a tiny bit, and we need it. It's plant food. CO2 has only increased 0.01% over the past 60 years. And historically, if you go way back, was much higher in the past, long before SUVs and trucks. And then human beings are only responsible for a tiny percent of that carbon in the atmosphere. Because most carbon is obviously natural, because without it, we can't live. Did you know that despite renewables increasing by 12% and coal decreasing by 8% last year, the U.S. carbon emissions still ticked up by 1.3%? And yet, did you know that everyone agrees, this is Noah's own data, the, warm, the, the, the anecdotal warming that you see was during the 90s and early 2000s, very small period of time in the history of the, of, of the globe. Since 2015, they will tell you there has been no measurable warming since 2015. Yet, since then, we've had hundreds of billions of, of uh, tons of, of CO2 emitted. So we have record CO2 correlating with a period of time of no warming. And we have renewable energy skyrocketing and coal getting crushed and yet more carbon. So carbon emissions do not even correlate with our sort of you know global warming agenda and our energy usage, and temperatures don't even correlate with the levels of CO2. So this whole thing is a lie. It's not good enough to say, well, I don't think the Green New Deal is good, but we have to have conservative solutions to carbon, car- carbon you know, problems. When you identify carbon as a pollutant, you're identifying a human being as a target for genocide. And it's shocking to me how in every red state, just like we, we've, we saw with the homosexual agenda, with the CRT, we, we woke up one day and we're like, this is in all the schools. This is everywhere, in every red state. 
Of course, Florida is always the exception. They're trying to stamp out that agenda from the state government. By the way, I want to play for you an interesting clip here from the uh, Transportation Secretary Butt Gang um, bragging about how he's spreading around the trillion-dollar infrastructure bill to promote global warming in red states. And then he notes there's one state that actually rejected the funding. Take a listen here. At least in Florida, both senators and some South Florida representatives voted against it. Yeah, we were disappointed that uh, uh, both uh, uh, of the senators and, and so many of the uh, House GOP members in Florida voted no on this bill, but it passed anyway. And we were able to get those dollars. And uh, as I, I hope that uh, everyone can see, uh, we are distributing those dollars based on where the need is, not based on politics. Uh, Floridians are benefiting, uh, even if their uh, uh, members of, of Congress or, or the Senate stood in the way of these funds. Uh, I, I would also add that, you know, we had a lot of good local support. Uh, Mayor Levine Cava was a big supporter of getting this bill done in the first place. Uh, the only thing that, that's unfortunate is that some of those dollars will not reach Florida communities because Governor DeSantis has decided to reject the federal funding uh, for the carbon reduction program. That's too bad because that was going to uh, help with things like uh, uh, truck parking and uh, other important uses that the Florida DOT planned on. Uh, but there's nothing we can do. If uh, Governor DeSantis chooses to send those dollars back to Washington, uh, we have to accept that choice and those dollars will, uh, will go somewhere else. Is uh, but again, we really believe this should, can and should be bipartisan work. Is Florida the only state that rejected the funds? Uh, as far as I know, uh, yes. I haven't heard of another state just sending those dollars back. Uh, and it's, it's too bad. I mean, you know, we think that those dollars belong on the ground in communities around Miami-Dade or around the state of Florida. Uh, and, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's where they should be, not being sent back to Washington because of politics. Did you hear that? especially the latter part of what he said, that DeSantis rejected funding for the carbon reduction program. And notice how he said, there's nothing we can do if he sends those dollars back to Washington. Notice how he said that. Notice how easy it would be to extirpate this genocidal carbon agenda from red states if you just said no. Yet all these companies... That, that, that thrive in these red states lobby their governments to promote this carbon agenda. And, and, and that's what I want to get to with our special guest. But I just want to kind of zoom out before we kind of zoom back in to this carbon capture craziness and, and, and the land grab, eminent domain on behalf of that in South Dakota. I just want to ask again, what is our solution? What's our plan? We've gone from golden calves to golden shoes. You know, the same people who mock DeSantis for wearing boots, like normal boots, are celebrating this heist. One Fox host was actually saying that Trump would win the black vote based on promoting sneakers. And by the way, there's all these articles out now on how a bunch of people within Trump's orbit are out with long knives for Charlie Kirk for going after Martin Luther King Day. And that tells me that there are so many people around Trump that are still promoting this stupid idea that you're somehow going to win the election with the black vote without a single plan to attract suburban voters. This is what's so bizarre. They're doing everything they can to lose this election. And again, nothing in the red states to, to at least fortify yourself against it. This is what I don't understand. 
We have the early warning in the blue states, like we talked about. Places like Minnesota, they're gone. We've got a federal level. It's very hard to win. And even if you do, it's hard to implement. We have the suburban voters turning against us. And we nominate this guy again that's just not even putting together a proper campaign. And then you're left with with the red states. And that's where I want to get to our next guest. So, folks, as you well know, I'm in the blue hellhole of Maryland. And, you know, I'm sitting here every day, every week. They concoct another anarcho-tyranny agenda item that you're thinking, like, there's no way they can get away with it. But they do. So they ban straws. They ban plastic bags. You know, you got to wear a bag on your face, but not for your groceries. And there's literally nothing we can do. I mean, it doesn't. The, the science is a lie. It doesn't matter how many times they say the lie. Just like you know, masks work. Um, there's global warming, and and it doesn't matter. It's just you, you. You could show them anything. They have full control, and that underscores the reason why people like myself need to move out to other places. While you think. All right, South Dakota looks like a nice place. God's country, uh, exp- expansive land. You know, it's funny. You look at uh, a lot of these maps that people like showing, you know, pointing out these political maps that show even in, in, a, in a losing presidential election for Republicans, you see mainly red. And, you know, some people will laugh. Oh, that's just a bunch of cows. But the people all live in in the densely populated areas. That might be true. But it actually still matters that technically – if we had a party that stood for our values, we would control about 82% of the land. And that matters. That really does. I don't care you know, if, if you have a county that's the size of L.A. County or if you have the county that has 10,000 people in it. But the bottom line is you should control that unit of government. And more importantly, you have more land per capita. And I've been saying if – Republicans would only treat the global warming agenda, particularly the Inflation Reduction Act subsidies for things like wind, solar, EVs, and carbon capture sequestration, if they would treat it like Medicaid expansion, like we at least originally did, it wouldn't get off the ground. Why? Because most of the land is in red states. And that leads me to this carbon capture dystopia. So, you know, you have these cockamamie ideas. We're going to ban quality of life in blue states. All right, well, you know, that's par for the course. They're crazy. But who would have thought in places like South Dakota, North Dakota, Nebraska, Iowa, Indiana, all red states would be ground zero for the most illogical, insane idea that somehow, A, we're going to acquiesce to the premise that carbon is deadly and is a problem so that you can only utilize so-called fossil fuels, I like to call natural fuels, if you sequester it from the air, and then you're going to suck it up and make the entire underground of our northern upper plains just a a ticking time bomb of, of sitting carbon under there. And not only that, we're going to grab private land just for the purpose of doing that. I said before, Robert Bryce pointed out, we would need to find an underground location able to swallow a volume equal to the size of 41 oil super tankers every day for the remainder of life. It, it just, I mean, I mean, I don't even understand what the end game is. So this grift is has ground zero in with the Summit Carbon Solutions pipeline going through the Dakotas. And we've been talking about it the last year. And what I find that it it just smokes me 
I can't influence Hunter Biden. I can't influence all the soap opera, okay? But if we only invoked and imposed our sphere of influence where it actually would resonate, we could end this. But surprisingly, my colleagues are silent, which I cannot figure out why this is not a bigger deal, to grab grab individual property on behalf of something that offers no utility, nothing whatsoever. And in fact, it greases the skids for this carbon neutral, aka genocidal agenda, and people are silent. So I mentioned last week, there are some important bills, a good bill and a bad bill percolating in the South Dakota legislature. And I wanted to give you an update, but I figured I'd bring on a local expert Someone you need, really need to hear from, Amanda Radke. Uh, she's a fifth-generation South Dakota rancher, farmer, a local activist and speaker who's been testifying, speaking out against this on behalf of the, the landowners. And there's actually a new egregious bill I want you guys to, to know about. You could follow her at Radke Amanda on Twitter. Check out her website, Amanda Radke. That's Amanda, R-A-D-K-E.com. And she is with us today. Hey, Amanda, welcome to Blaze Media for the first time. Hey, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. All righty. So you heard kind of my intro there. Um, you have this bill, SB 201 that not only are we not fighting back against the eminent domain, and last year all the bills failed, not just in South Dakota, but the other states we tried to push them, um, but they actually want to make it easier to grab land on behalf of Summit and other future uh, carbon capture stuff. Describe this bill and why it is so dangerous. Well, you hit the nail on the head. It is essentially greasing the wheel for an out-of-state foreign-backed company to come in and take what is not theirs. You know, during the pandemic, Governor Christy Noem did a great job of letting we, the people, govern ourselves and make decisions that would impact our local communities. And so in, in the state of South Dakota, we have different terrains, we have different population densities, and each community is unique. And so it's interesting to me on this bill, Senate Bill 201, which would essentially make a socialized, centralized, big brother nanny state oversight that caves and kowtows to the federal government. It's amazing to me that we would strip away local authority in order to make it easier for a corporation to do business. Uh, we don't trample on the Constitution. We don't trample on private property rights. And we certainly don't take away local government because the people who live close to home are the ones that are invested in the future of those communities. And SB 201 seeks to strip that all away. So all sorts of zoning requirements and setbacks and different regulations that a county government would put in place for a carbon capture pipeline, they're saying with this bill that it would all be preempted by state law. And I, I want to get your comment. I just saw this from, um, who is this guy? Uh, Casey Crabtree is the Senate Majority Leader. He was one <laughs> of the... Republican members who voted for it on the Senate Commerce and Energy Committee. It passed seven to two. And this thing's a runaway train. So he had a guest column in the Dakota War College. And I was floored at what he said. So, you know, we're all thinking, man, we need the red states to interpose against the Green New Deal and make sure it doesn't take root. And instead, he wrote state law should reflect federal standards and removes uncertainty for 
counties on actions that would result in lawsuits that will cost taxpayers money. Our farmers and communities deserve better than sham lawsuits that drag out projects and cost taxpayer legal fees. I love how these guys always create pseudo-conservative arguments to basically promote Agenda 2030. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, it's interesting. He also made comments in his testimony that he was giving rights to the landowners. Well, I'm sorry, sir, but you're right. Our rights are not yours to give or take away at all. And I think it's worth noting that Summit Carbon Solutions has slapped condemnation papers and lawsuits on 160 plus landowners, as well as individual counties that are creating these ordinances to reflect the needs of the community. So what SB 201 says is we're going to save Summit a lot of time and money and we're going to make sure that they don't have to sue landowners and counties because we're just going to take away their authority, give it to the state, and we'll make it so it's very easy for them. But what Mr. Crabtree doesn't understand is this will create more lawsuits because we're not going to just give up layover and, and allow the state under the thumb of the federal government to come and railroad us and take away our control of our private property and our local government. So one way or another, this is going to end up in court. By the way, I find it very interesting. I'm pretty sure I remember um, during the COVID debate. So we were pushing some bills to ban mask mandates, right? Because one of the things they would do is, um, you know, the governor said that she didn't have a, a mask mandate, which which there was no state mask mandate. But all these red states, the game they played was that every city that had more than three people in it basically masked the kids for almost two years. Florida was really the only state where I saw the governor lean in and fight the localities. And I always heard this, you know, it's it's funny, they harness conservatism where it benefits them. Oh, no, Daniel, we like local control. And indeed, these bills were were voted down um, in committee, and they did, they went nowhere. And now, you know, in my view, it's you have a you have an obligation to stand up for human rights. The localities were violating human rights. Now you fast forward here, where the localities are protecting land, you know, landowners' property rights. Suddenly, they're like, I don't, I don't like this whole patchwork here. You know, we need, you know, we need state control. It's kind of interesting when they harness the localism argument, right? And. To me, if we're going to be consistent, if we're going to stand up for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that's exactly what we need to do. And in my testimony last week, I told the senators on that committee, I said, it's, it's amazing to me that states like Michigan, Illinois, New York, and California, all of which I've spoke at agricultural conferences at in the last six months, all four of those blue-run Democrat states have similar pieces of legislation, just like 201, with devastating impacts to the local and, and, and the uh, local control and landowner rights in those states. And, and I said, I highly doubt Governor Christy Noem, who loves freedom and independence, could possibly ever sign this bill into law because she would be signaling to every landowner, every person, whether they have a quarter acre lot in town or a, a whole section of ground in the country, that our land is up for sale to the highest bidder. And we actually don't have any right or any say of who comes on our land and, and what kind of projects are, are, are developed here. And I think it's also interesting to note that Minnesota has better protections here than we do. Minnesota right now has a carbon project in the works and they are not using eminent domain at all uh, to get that project through. And so my clear objective in getting involved in this, and I really had 
no choice. I, I write, I work in media and I was getting so many calls from desperate landowners, from little widows that own 10 acres of land and were being told this is coming through no matter what, to families that have been saving money for 30 years to build a house on a chunk of ground that that pipeline was now going to go through, to families that have been on the land for 150 plus years. And I couldn't ignore it anymore. I thought I need to get involved here and stand up for the people in South Dakota. And so our directive is very clear, and it's all grounded and rooted in the Constitution. We are asking our state legislators and our Governor Kristi Noem to do three things. Number one, to protect private property rights in this country because it is founded in the Constitution. It is our absolute God-given right to acquire and protect private property. Number two, we want to take eminent domain for private gain off the table, which Senate or which a House Bill 1219 from Representative John Hansen would do. Take eminent domain for private gain off the table. And number three, protect local governance and our ability to lead and make decisions in our own communities. And if we can accomplish that, the business opportunities, the opportunity to build and develop uh, different companies and entrepreneurial pursuits, that'll follow but we don't trample on the Constitution in order to get those things done. So I will tell you, I'm very scared about what I'm seeing here because typically the reason why red states aren't red is because the corporations overwhelm it, the corporate interest lobbyists overwhelm. And so the benefit is very clear to them. And the liability is more kind of spread out over everyone or it is something that's not so tangible. You usually don't have a particular constituency that's just on the hook but here i mean you have people's you know homesteads for for generations that are on the hook i'm shocked that we're a year and a half or so into this and i'm not seeing you you have two senators i'm not seeing anything from them i'm not seeing anything from dusty johnson the at-large congressman the governor i mean obviously you already said you're the, the the legislative leadership is is on board with uh with summit you know on on this issue I don't understand how this is not a bigger issue. Well, that'd certainly be a, a question to ask these folks. You know, there might be some conflicts of interest. Maybe the fact that Summit Carbon Solutions was a main sponsor at Governor Noem's inauguration might have something to do with it. <sighs> Maybe there's other ties here we don't know about. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is she is stood down and remained silent on this. And I'm a rancher, I'm a cowgirl, and I'm here to say cowgirls don't sit on the fence. When we see an issue, we get into that pen and we take care of it. So silence also means you're complicit, that you are siding uh, with a corporate oligarchy yep. that seeks to put the thumb over the citizens. But here in South Dakota, we've built this state. We've put our roots down here. Uh, we are building businesses here and if we're going to advertise that we're the freest state in the nation and that we're open for business, well, that also better mean we're open for opportunities for the people who already call this place home. And all I see right now is a commitment to helping these corporate foreign-backed uh, organizations succeed on the backs of the hard Could, work could you describe the, the foreign-backed uh, component of Summit? Well, Summit has many investors, I'll tell you that, and most of them haven't been divested. And I will say uh, that there is a, a bill right now being considered uh, that would prohibit the investment of, of land in South Dakota from foreign ownership. I would just encourage you to follow the money trail and, and follow the list of investors that have been released already 
and you'll quite see that it's it's very apparent. Um, this is not a a local South Dakota or American based company that seeks to do nice for the people in South Dakota that they want to do business with. What I also find very disturbing is so that there's two elements here. There's the property rights issue. There's the eminent domain. But then there's the broader thing. So it would be bad enough if this was just some some stupid grift. But yep. this is it's worse than that. Because for two reasons. Number one, it accedes to the premise that carbon is a harmful substance that needs to be sequestered. But number two is could you explain to me the science here? I have never heard a more of a cockamamie idea in my life. Is there an end game that somehow you're going to carbon is human life? So you're going to sequester human life forever and store it underground? H- have we ever thought about what what the safety of that is like sitting on I mean, w- wouldn't the entire region of the country have to become a a, a carbon cavern? Right. So frankly, to me, it's a pathway to starvation. It's anti-human. And I've had people in agriculture in this state, conservative Republicans that I've respected my entire life that have said to me, looked me straight in the eye, and they've said, Amanda, we know the science is bogus on this, but this is here to stay and there's money to be made. Oh my gosh. And so they are willing to build businesses on the premise of a lie on the premise that carbon is bad. They're willing to become overnight AOC Green New Deal Democrats who are beating the drums of climate change just to make a little cash. And I'm here to tell you this is not the, this is a slippery slope. And my priority is keeping families on the land and to make sure that we have food security in this country. And you tell me how burying carbon in a pipe to be permanently sequestered with no public use fits into any of those things for prosperity, for food security, for keeping families on the land, and for protecting our national security as a whole. Because a nation who cannot feed itself is not free. No, indeed. So so, so you're telling me, uh, this is even worse than I thought. It's not so much that these Republicans are bought into the global warming agenda. I mean, maybe the agenda, but you're saying... They they know in light of COVID, you know, we remember the u- unanimity of opinion behind the science and the uh, same thing here. It's not so much that. It's just that, hey, you know, I call it venture socialism. We'll make, m- yep. make capitalism off of socialism. All right. You know, you have uh, some sort of cockamamie regulation. I'll find a way to make money off of that. And obviously there were uh, a bunch of grants in the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, the Green New Deal for carbon capture. Um, so, I mean, are these companies primarily Republicans or run by Republicans? So I'll tell you this. In South Dakota, the Republican Party is effectively divided in two. There are those of us who stand on the side of the Constitution and protecting liberty and our individual rights. And there are those who have joined the commerce, the Chamber of Commerce mentality of we're here to build business and develop economic opportunities. But the mandate of our government, the reason the government was even created in the first place was to protect those God-given inherent rights. I didn't know uh, that we were going to end up in these public-private partnerships where we're propping up one business, we're picking winners and losers. And again, this is on the premise of a lie. The voting public does not want this. They see it as a climate change, Green New Deal boondoggle being pushed forward by government grifters using our tax dollars 
to reallocate wealth, destroy communities, trample on the Constitution, and produce nothing. And nothing. I, I mean, guess our, 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 our only ask, really, I mean, for me, people say, are you anti-pipeline? Are you anti-ethanol? No, I'm not anti-anything. If you want to bury carbon in your backyard, let your freak flag fly. But I myself, I do not want to enter into that type of commerce. I do not want to yep. participate in that type of lie. So my ability to say no thank you is guaranteed to me in the Constitution. And that's what the state of South Dakota is trying to take away from me. They're trying to force me into commerce on a, on a project that goes against everything that I stand for, period. Yeah, and by the way, it's not just this carbon capture. It's it's all, you know, the the beautiful expanse of of land in the heart of America is being dotted with these ugly by by the way, very anti-environmental uh solar panels and wind turbines all over the place. Again, producing nothing all for a political mm-hmm. agenda. We would never naturally do that without government tailwinds Uh, in the form of subsidies, mandates, monopolization of the public square to promote an agenda, just like they did with the COVID shots. Um, You know, I'm I'm literally dealing with this in in Wyoming now. They have the problem with the eminent domain for for wind turbines. Again, without special favors, this stuff can never support itself. Um, This stuff is not biodegradable, by the way. It comes full circle. It's not environmental. It's not anything. Um, and, and that's what you're telling me with these people. It's really the bottom line. It's just so, so sad. And that leads me to my final point I wanted to kind of broach with you, just in general, mm-hmm. where we're headed with land usage and agriculture in America. Um, I saw with this SB 201 at the committee hearing. So you have all these big cartels, uh, the South Dakota Soybean Association, the Corn Associations, they were all supporting this bill. Why? How does that help corn growth? Well, follow the money, follow the money. But I'm I'm here to remind people, not every farmer and rancher and landowner is a member of these associations. Not every landowner feels represented by these big corporate interests that are coming through. Not every community or every farmer will benefit economically from this project. So at the core of the issue, these associations, these legislators and 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 our governor needs to ask are you going to choose money over principle? If we protect the Constitution, everything else will follow. But if you trample on the Constitution, we're no better than being under the thumb of the federal government. We are controlled. And I will say this, he who controls the land controls the food, and who controls the food controls the people. And that's exactly where we're headed. Well, that's that's very scary when you conceptualize what agenda 2030 is when they say carbon neutral and 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 that's really what bothers me um i've noticed the trend in agriculture really alongside healthcare where at the same yep. time where healthcare became centralized where the government just came in and became the consumer the government's the consumer uh with medicare medicaid even private insurance is not really private because uh um you know it's all through the 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 employer tax exclusion, which is worth several hundred billion to basically make insurance the king over health care and then, you know, have health insurance tethered to either government or an employer. And what that has done is it has and in culminating with Obamacare, it destroyed private practice. And we saw that with COVID, that it wasn't just, uh, you know, clunky delivery or expensive, but also limiting the actual quality of care. 
um, and ideas and, you know, all the free thinkers were the independent doctors, but they all have gray hair and there's fewer and fewer of them. And I've noticed the same thing with these years of these kind of Stalinist trillion dollar five year farm bills where it just they just say, all right, this amount is going to be soybeans. This is going to be a program for this and that and the insurance and the crop insurance and the, all the different titles of that bill. And I've noticed it's almost like healthcare and health insurance where you're going to rapidly approach a time where there's five, six companies in charge of food in America. Absolutely. And you're going to have to prove your carbon score. Every conference I speak at in agriculture right now focuses on achieving net zero. And uh, eventually the family farms will be squeezed out and only the big corporations will be able to play this game. But as we saw during COVID, our food supply system has many vulnerabilities. And when you consolidate your food supply into just a few main entities, as an example, in the beef industry, 85% of our meat supply is held captive by four major players, two that are foreign owned, one that's a known criminal in their home country of Brazil, and we're not too big to fail. That's why we saw milk being dumped. That's why we saw um, hogs having to be euthanized instead of processed for pork. And we are at a dangerous precipice. And the only solution here is to allow for free market capitalism to reign true, where producers can stay on the land and do good, honest business and connect with the people they want to serve. But through the government, through public-private partnerships, through all of these handouts and this, these checks that they're giving to incentivize farmers to behave in one way or another, it all boils down to control. And when we don't control our land and we don't control our businesses, it is really hard to feed the people. Wow. No, I mean, that's that's where it is. That is the next COVID times 10. And, you know, you can understand after hearing Amanda's presentation here why SB 201 is so important to that agenda because you have this seamless kind of Agenda 2030 uh, land grab, uh, green energy stuff, where you have the international organizations, you have the feds. So they want to make sure that local governments, which are often, you know, you have these large counties and red states with a lot of land, they want to make sure they are not an impediment uh, to that agenda and that is all the more so why we need to fight this globalism with localism, uh, not just you know to defeat the green energy agenda and carbon capture, but really just land freedom in general and agricultural uh, free market policies in general. Because I am just you know again, if our food becomes like healthcare, we're done. Um, you're going to have the COVID right. equivalent of food, and uh, it's 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 truly game over. Look, Amanda, it's shocking that we have to be even discussing this in. Uh, South Dakota. What's the prognosis of of this bill? Is it going to be voted on the Senate floor this week? Yes, it's a big week in South Dakota. We have two objectives this week, and I'm so grateful you asked. Um, so number one, Senate Bill 201 is up for discussion. It is on the Senate side now, but then it'll have to go over to the House. We are urging everyone in South Dakota to write their state senators right now, to write our governor as well, and say we must stop Senate Bill 201. And, you know, if our governor would stand up and speak out on this, there are many states in the wings who are waiting to see how the wind blows in yes. our state. She could have a real impact on influencing the future in this country and refusing to bend the knee to climate change tyranny. On the flip side, we have a very good bill by our mutual friend, Representative John Hansen, on the House side. Um, it was rejected in committee, uh, but they were able to smoke it out and get it back out on the floor. It's back in play. 
And that bill, and that's HB 1219, would prohibit the use of eminent domain by a pipeline company if the main purpose of the pipeline is to sequester carbon permanently. And so we are asking folks to write our state representatives and say, please debate and pass and move forward HB 1219. HB 1219, no, that's it. It's shocking how close it was in committee. Again, I mean, there's a lot of Republicans who are like Democrats, some of its ideology, a lot of its grift and money. And unless the people of the red states exert their influence over the politicians, you will become like Minnesota. It's funny, (laughs) Amanda, you didn't realize we were talking about Minnesota before I brought you on as the early warning system (laughs) of a dystopia of America. But you found one way that you're already ahead of them. And that's that's just all the more so why we need to fight to focus on these legislative sessions, to stop having these governors just act as if they have nothing to do with uh, the majority party of their same party in the in the chamber. They wield a tremendous amount of influence. A veto threat certainly goes a very long way. Um, so certainly Christy Nome needs to hear from you guys in South Dakota as well. At Radke Amanda on Twitter. Great Twitter account to follow. AmandaRadke.com is the website. Thanks so much for standing and giving voice to landowners. I really wish you good luck and looking forward to having you back again. Well, thank you so much for having me and for bringing light to this issue. We need help here in South Dakota, and there's many other states who are following on the same path. And the only way we push back on this is say, We will not bend the knee to climate change tyranny. We will not compromise on the Constitution. And and we're going to be Americans. That's what we're going to do. And so thank you so much. Amen. And God bless. Take care. Well, there you have it, folks, from South Dakota. It's funny. She didn't even know I was talking about Minnesota as the paragon for dystopian governance. And yeah, I mean, she was like, they have even, you know, better land use laws than South Dakota does. And and therein lies the problem. The left gets what they need in the areas they need it. And this is where they feel they need to start this uh, land grab for the carbon capture. They're going to do it. And and again, I just sit back and think, if the entire conservative media made a tantrum about this for a day, it would be dead. It would be dead. Whereas, you know, as we could see, national election-wise, we have no influence. This is where to wield our influence. And particularly, this issue is the next COVID. It is the most important issue. It intersects with freedom, food, life itself, land use, and energy. Land use, energy, and food. That's it. And red states have the most land. If you block it in red states, you really block this agenda. But because we just you know ignore what's going on, red states are blue. And, and, and therein lies the problem. Um, I'm just dealing with other crap in Wyoming today. It's awful stuff they're doing, allowing uh, you know kids under 12 to make medical decisions without parents, all designed for the abortion agenda. We're trying to stop that there. There's a lot going on in our community, but this is also very empowering. What does this tell you? This tells you that they know that if the people of red counties within red states are at one with their local officials and create laws that are in concert with our values, that is a threat to their agenda. And that, my friends, is where we need to double down. Um, Send me your questions you have on this issue and other issues. Daniel Horowitz at startmail.com that has a T at the end, as in startmail.com, at rmconservative on Twitter. And, you know, if you so wish to do so i'd appreciate if you give us a five-star rating on itunes and send the show to every one of your friends and relatives god is not making any more land 
Land is where the fight's at. Till tomorrow, God bless y'all, and thank you for listening.